2: Um, Hey, we're going to have a family conversation today. There's a lot of new people, so welcome to the family. Um, And I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. Um, We're going to talk about what's next for the garden as far as looking at new facilities and and stuff like that. Um, But before I talk about the what, I want to talk about the why. And before I even start this whole thing, I want to give us an update on something that we call first fruits. So um, power slide or whatever it's called, PowerPoint, here we go. Every, uh, since we began this journey a little over three years ago, um, our church really began October in 2009, but we were meeting at a basement in an old uh, church three years ago during this time. And uh, there's just a few of us, a handful of people, maybe, you know, as we were building and growing, there's probably 40 of us um, until we launched. But from the moment we set out to be a church, before we had enough money to even sustain um, a hospitality cart... We, we said we want to give 10% of everything we bring in away, starting point. Because we, we got to model generosity as a church. So from the moment we set out, we said, you know, we got to become self-sustaining, but we're going to do that while giving 10% minimum away to the community, to the needs of our community, to the outside, to Long Beach, to the globe, to the, the mission that God has. So we started with 10% of what we brought in. And this year, I get to give you a report on all the places that we've given, Our fiscal year begins July 1st, so we're coming to an end of our fiscal year, and every year around this time, our ministry leaders and staff and our elders, we get away and we pray and we we spend some time um, thinking about what God's calling us to this next season, and we write ministry plans, and um, there's over a dozen ministry plans and dozens of ministry budgets. Um, But this is a big one, this is a budget where we say, hey, it doesn't matter, 10%, percent um, is going away, and, and we have a committee that kind of gives it out. So here's where we gave to this last year, and this is the garden, this is us giving. We gave to Harvest India, we gave to Long Beach, uh, to We Love Long Beach, we gave to Power Ministries, so Harvest India is a ministry in India that we partner with, the leader of that ministry is coming out next month, he'll be here in our bar, um, actually the first time he, he was ever in a bar was at church here on Sunday last year, um, but he's coming out, um, and um, Power Ministries is a, a partnership we have with groups that builds uh, homes in Mexico. Uh, we Love Long Beach is a local nonprofit here. Crochet Kids, they're a group that works with women in Uganda um, and helps create sustainable income for women there. We gave to Precious Land Preschool, which is a, a, lo- a preschool here in the city that meets on 9th and Atlantic. And they, um, they are a preschool for, homeless, uh, for children who are in transitional housing or homeless. So we've been partnering with them we gave to Kingdom Causes, local nonprofits, Sunburst Youth Academy. You heard Alex's testimony a couple weeks ago. He works there. We gave to Vision 360. Vision 360 is a global church um, planting organization. They're all over the globe. They've planted something like nearly 400 churches around the world in the last seven years. And their model is brilliant. They go into cities, they work with local church pastors and nonprofits and business leaders, and say, how do we work together to to plant churches in your city? I'm on the board with this uh, this city team with seven other pastors in the city. We're going to plant 50 churches in Long Beach or the Long Beach area in the next five years. Um, What's really cool about this is we've been giving, we've been one of the most generous churches to this organization in our city. We've probably given more than some of these other churches, and I'm not comparing us to our brothers and sisters in Long Beach, but we've been really generous. But here's something cool. I met one of the first planters we're going to send out in the next month and he's at a church in North Long Beach called Light and Life and he uh, was incarcerated at 16 years old. He was sentenced to jail for life for being a part of a Long Beach gang that killed someone else. And his brother was killed in a gang. He went to jail for life at the age of 16. Sentenced to life. Met Jesus in the jail. Helped start a revival there. It's been years since he got released under Schwarzenegger. And now he's, all he can do is tell people about Jesus. And he's got like 100 people on his launch team. He's going to plant in Paramount. He's got an amazing story. I'm going to bring him here. He's my buddy Brian. And uh, it's just going to be amazing to see how we can partner with other churches. This is a, a ministry that's going to help flourish planting, or uh, help create kind of a catalyst for church planning sorry I'm passionate about all these but that's one I, I'm particularly passionate about we've supported other Long Beach churches local community gardens we, we've supported the, lo, both local and global human trafficking organizations the list goes on we've given Christmas dinners and gifts to those that don't have Christmas we've done um, for people within our community we've paid rent we've paid for groceries we've paid food in seasons of crisis and difficulty we've done backpack drives for the schools in Long Beach we've helped people that don't have money at all to move we've given them trucks and support and money to help them move um, we've supported global mission trips from Tanzania Mexico India Japan South Africa Philippines and Indonesia Woo, we still got three months left we've given nearly $40,000 away this year alone it's close to $100,000 in our three years of being a ministry how amazing is that that's a round of applause for all of us um, that's our generosity as a church. In the next couple of months we're going to help support a documentary for orphans in India. We're throwing some barbecues, we're doing a computer lab with that Methodist church on 5th. We're going to buy school supplies. The list goes on. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's such a privilege to share this news. We've given over nearly $40,000 away in one fiscal year. That's amazing. I remember when $40,000 was like, I don't know, our entire annual budget as a church. Just a couple of years ago. And now we're giving that away. I think God's honoring the, the type of stewardship and generosity our church has. So, cool. Cool story, huh? Alright, let me, let me pray one more time. I want to uh, get into this topic and, and share with you some things on my heart. So I just want to pray. I just sense God's already doing stuff. So let's just, um, Lord, I, I thank you, God, for what you've done this last year. That you've allowed us to be a church of, of generous givers that you've sustained our needs, um, that even, uh, that you just you just continue to surprise us. And I pray, Lord, that this morning you would surprise us. That you would settle us into the things that you're doing and remind us of why we're here in the first place. Um, may we just do this together. I just pray, uh, I just pray against any, system or religious spirit in the room and I just pray a freedom to encounter you and explore the vast and open space it means to be a beloved son and daughter of Christ. We love you and we give you this time. Amen. One more thing. We're going to close out this year with a surplus. We, we, we have a few months left in our fiscal year but we, we have money in the savings which is absolutely incredible and so we've continued to live below our means as a staff and as a church even with giving 10% away. So it's pretty cool. We've done a good job. Our, our teams have done a good job. So that's the, that piece. Now let's talk about some other stuff. You, you, guys, um, you guys look great. I'm glad the kids are here and the youth are here because they need to be a part of this conversation as well. Um, I've been reflecting around why we started a church. Why, why did we come here? Why, why did we come to Long Beach? I don't know if you know my story. Um, but I lived in Newport Beach You know, I got married, I I went to school out there. I got married and lived right next to the beach. I surfed all the time before I moved to Long Beach. And uh, lived in a really beautiful place. And about um, uh, three months before I got married, I was working at a church called Rock Harbor and I was in India on a missions trip with Suresh. Um, with Harvest India, and on the train, I, I heard God say as clear as day, plant a church in Long Beach. I was 22 years old, I was engaged, and I had no deci- desire in my heart to, to leave the church I was at, to leave Newport Beach where I loved, or to even lead, try to lead a church. I don't know if you know this, but when I started, when we started this project, um, I didn't want to teach. I had panic attacks getting in front of people, getting in front of the 12 people that would come. I'm not exaggerating. Some of you were there for the early days, and yeah, you got the witnesses that they survived my early preaching. <laughs> uh, it was just a mess, and I was a mess, and and but but there. So before I even you know began to take um, seriously the calling, before we even set foot in Long Beach, my wife and I we wrestled with this calling, this idea that yeah w- we have to risk everything, we have to move. We have to leave our family, our friends, our, our comfort, our security, our job to just go all in on this one word that I heard in India. And, and it was this journey of faith. But it's not just my story. It's been the story for so many of us here. And that's what makes the garden so beautiful. So three years ago, we came here. And I've been reflecting because as we m- move forward, I, we're doing some amazing things. We, we're seeing some amazing things happen. But I, I wonder if as we grow... As we talk about moving and buildings and bigger budgets, will we lose what we came here for in the first place? Will we lose the why to the what we're doing? And with so many new faces, it's so hard to to bring people in to, to tell the stories of where we've been. And so I thought what I would try to do an attempt to just share some of the things on my heart for why I came here in the first place, why I think we are all gathered here in the first place, and what the implications are for us moving forward, okay? So, um, first of all, a year ago, I was reminded of the why. And here's a story that kind of tells it. Uh, We started uh, something called community groups here at the Garden. These are not life groups, they're not Bible studies. They're communities that are designed... To allow our, our, our whole church to live in rhythm together. And what's rhythm? Well, we've adopted three values of rhythms. Worship, mission, and belong. We felt that as a church, as we journey together, we need to practice the discipline of serving together on mission. Every single follower of Jesus is to serve on mission. So we said in our community groups, they would serve once a month. They would gather in homes and eat meals and and share the word together. They would belong to each other. And the third Wednesday of every month, we'd stop all those house group meetings and we'd come together and worship God on third Wednesday. Now, when we started that, it was hard, but eventually... The community group I was leading, we said, you know what the easiest thing would, to do would be? Let's go to a laundry mat, mat and just provide free laundry and, and pizzas on Tuesday night for two hours. And we did it right over here on 9th and Pine. Went to Hang Hang. The first week we show up, there was like four people and there was like 22 of us. And it was awkward. I mean, it was, we didn't speak their language, they didn't really like us, and, um, but we said, hey, you know what, we're going to come here every month, the first tu- Tuesday of every month, and we'll just provide for whoever comes, their, their laundry to be washed. They said, you know what, if you do, this place will be filled. Next month, we come with pizza, some soccer balls for the kids to play in the, in the parking lot, and sure enough, every single um, laundry mat, uh, every single washer machine was already full, and they were waiting for us to bring quarters. Dozens and dozens of people. It was, it was, we didn't have enough money. We had to go to the ATM and it was just becoming more expensive. Um, but it was a beautiful thing. Our kids were playing in the parking lot. We, we had pizza. We were sharing meals. We were, we were learning Spanish and we were learning different languages and we just had an amazing time. And this one girl came up to me and she was, um, she was weathered by life. You know the types of people we see. Single mom, bunch of kids weathered by the weight that she was carrying, and she came with tears in her eyes, and she said to me this, and this is what reminded me of why we were here. It brings me hope again to know that there are good people in this world. Six bucks, six dollars and quarters, some pizza for her kids, and free laundry gave her hope again. Again. she didn't hear that message because she came to a garden worship gathering. She heard it because a bunch of friends decided to provide free laundry. And somehow, in the midst of coins being tossed and laundry being thrown in and soap and and, and kids kicking the ball into the oncoming traffic and me trying to protect them and save them, because apparently you shouldn't play soccer next to a a freeway. Um, I don't have any kids yet, so I don't know the... (laughs) The rules of parenting. (laughs) It gave her hope. Why are we here? We're not here simply to sing songs. We are here to gather, to worship, to sing songs because that compels us to worship the one true God, to send us out to the laundromats, to the coffee shops, to our workplaces, to bring light and hope to those that have no hope that live in despair, and six dollars in change gave that person hope in the world because someone showed up. But I have a feeling that most of us have been fed a Christianity, a church, that is about comfortable seats. It's about the songs on a Sunday, and it's about making sure that you fit into the nice white picket fence dream. And we've lost the risk and the, the, the absolute courage we need as followers to fulfill the Great Commission. That churches, they don't feed us on te- and teach us how to be disciples of all nations or how to disciple the nations or how to be ministers of reconciliation. They teach us how to be nice moral people. How to, how to compartmentalize our lives. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm just speaking on behalf because I am just as guilty as a pastor and preacher, and I stand in the criticism, not on the outside, but within the church, knowing that the hope is for the church to get it. So if you hear this, it's not me, us versus them, this is us, having a family conversation. But we've missed it, because we often forget the why we do what we do. I just want to go into some scripture, go to Matthew chapter 28, I just want to bounce around, I suppose. I'm not really getting into too much depth. I'm just wanting to share with you the, the scripture that spoke to me years ago when I said to God, okay, I'll go. And listened in obedience. You know, I remember a time when it was, uh, we were at the old church and we were doing monthly gatherings. And uh, we, we had a handful of people. And we were doing monthly, monthly gatherings at 6 p.m., And I remember being at my one-bedroom apartment on uh, 3rd and Junipero, uh, weeping on the floor in fear. It was 435 that I had to go preach. And my wife looked at me and said, Get up and be strong. The blessing is this. You know exactly what God's asking you. And He's going to lead you through your fear. And it was my wife that encouraged me to pick up the word and be obedient to what God was saying. And I wonder if, all, if, if, if we, we kind of muddy the water with what's God calling me to? What's, what's my calling in life? What's, what's my identity? We, we, we don't read the scripture. And so we miss that God spoke all of this stuff to us and we're not obedient to it. So here's some text to remind those that at some point raised their hand or got baptized or said, yes, I believe... This is for anyone here that has said yes to Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a part of his body, a part of his church. And, and I hope, if you're new, I'm, I'm not angry. I just get passionate. <laughs> if anything, I'm, I'm mad at myself. Because I really, I really think that I can build a church. Do you know that, how ridiculous that is? I can't do anything apart from Jesus. Jesus. But whenever something goes well, I want to take claim. Does anyone else know what I'm, what I'm talking about? Matthew, or John 15? We can't do anything apart from Jesus, yet every time something goes well, we do want to pat ourselves on the back, knowing that it was him that did it in the first place. Anyways, I'm going to be confusing today, but go with it, okay? Just nod your head and smile, and give me some amens, and we'll go on our, our merry way. So here's Jesus at the end of the Gospel of Matthew before he ascends into heaven. This is what Matthew records Jesus saying to his followers. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, or in view of that, go now and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the earth the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples, according to Matthew, is that all the authority on heaven and earth had been given to Jesus, and he commissions them, he commissions, commissions everyone that will follow Jesus to make disciples of all, all nations, to immerse those that they come in contact in, with into a community of the Trinity. What does that mean? To, to immerse them into a faith community. To, to change the culture of the people around them. And the culture would be, would be the breath of God. And it would be dynamic and life-changing and powerful. And that they would uh, go and teach everyone else what Jesus had taught them. Disciple, immerse them into the Trinitarian reality, and teach them the ways of Jesus. This isn't for those that have been to seminary. This isn't for those that have graduated with degrees that say master's or or, or bachelor's of religion. This is for every single person, however old you are. This is your calling in life. You are called to disciple the nations. We are called to disciple the nations. To bring a transforming community that reveals God's reality of existence by how we hang out together. By how we, we, we drive on the freeway. I mean, so let's go back. before. Be, <laughs> thank you for one person laughing with this. Because um, you struggle too with your, <laughs> with your driving. Um, gosh, it's so beautiful. I, I want to go back. So my assumption is this. We're here this morning because we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. So let's go back there. If you believe that, that he raised, He's been raised from the dead, then we have to take Scripture seriously. Right? And it's, it's life-giving, that it forms our lives, that it should shape the way we live, the way we eat, the way we, the way we treat each other, to quote Tupac. Um, straight from changes. I'm, I'm, I, love, I love 11 right now. I'm, I'm quoting Tupac. Um, please don't podcast this. And I'm so glad my wife's on the wife uh, women's retreat. Um... <laughs> So you believe that. So that should shape our lives. Therefore, we take Scripture seriously and we get to Matthew 28 and this is our calling that we are to disciple the nations. Do you agree with me? Does anyone else feel like uh, they've passed that calling off to leaders in the church like I have? That, that the state of the Great Commission is for the churches and the non-profits that have 501c3s and degrees, Right? But that our responsibility to move this thing forward is to disciple the nations. That that's uh, a personal calling for all of us that call Jesus Savior. Go to Acts chapter 1. I want to give you another example of why we're here. Acts chapter 1. This is written by Luke. Luke is a doctor and a Gentile which simply means that he wasn't a Jewish person writing. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, oddly enough. And he also wrote the, the second part to Luke, which is Acts. And um, in this, this is a, the beginning of Acts is a moment where Jesus has been raised from the dead, and Jesus is with his followers, and he's going to commission his followers in a different way, but similar to Matthew. And this is what he says in verse 8. If you ever want to know what our mission statement is as a, as a church, this is one of them. And it should be for every church that gathers in the name of Jesus. He says to his followers, again, that's everyone that has said yes to Jesus, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power from from on high, the the Holy Spirit, and you will now become representatives of me. You will become uh, living testimonies to the resurrection. And you're going to do that to, in Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, you've heard this. It's like, you know, Jesus saying, you're going to be, um, you're going to bring, you're going to be my witnesses to Long Beach, to LA County, and to Africa, everywhere else you go, right? But it's, it's even more compelling than that. It's like Jesus is saying, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere you go, including to Al-Qaeda and to the tea Party including the KKK and the Black Panthers, the Bloods and the Crips. The gospel is designed to pass and infiltrate every social group there is through the people that say yes to Jesus, through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Or you could say it, the gospel will ooze into to places in Long Beach that you don't want to go, to people that you don't look like, that don't talk like you, that don't have the same values and customs that you do. But you're designed to be witnesses into the scummy parts of Long Beach that you don't want to end up at. You're going to be sitting next to people that you don't like the smell of, who eat food that you shouldn't be eating. That's the call for the church. We can big, build bigger facilities and make it more comfortable here. Or we could say the reason we gather is, is so that this whole thing spreads to, to, to the people groups that hate each other. I mean, imagine if, for example, you were uh, from Judea and Jesus says, now you're going to go to Samaria. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe that's saying, well, you're going to go past Anaheim for some of you. Seriously. Or do we want to keep narrowing our commission to our individual little tiny calling and, and comfort zone? Your world will shrink with your comforts. And it expands with the gospel of Jesus. Why are you here? Hopefully there's some tension that's being built. <laughs> I know I am. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I, this isn't about doing more. This is about taking seriously the word of God. I love hearing stories of my friends that are like, they just their whole complex, their apartment complex is their ministry field. Like, they, people are just constantly breaking into their house for food. And they don't have food, so they pray, and God just literally does a miracle where food just fills up in the fridge. That's happening in Long Beach. Where people are, are getting married because they shouldn't be living together. And, and people are ministering to their neighbors that way. I mean, it's, it's not some crazy idea like, go stand in, at the pike with a soapbox saying that they're all going to hell. That's not how you be a witness to Jesus. Jesus. I mean, it really doesn't work. But showing up with a shovel, or showing up with a, with a truck when, when your neighbor needs to move, that could be a great witness. Anyways, whew, hopefully that lands. Um, what was the next text? Um, oh, so, th- so that's great. Some of you are saying, well, I, if you're like me, I can't do that. I'm not very good at this. I struggle with the same stuff. You should see how I talk to my wife when no one's around. You should, you should see the way my computer looks when no one's around. You should, you know. I just there's no way I can be a, a permeate, permeating presence of the breath of God to my neighbors because I'm a mess. You know what Paul says? Let's find out. Second Corinthians, chapter five. Second Corinthians, chapter five. This is Paul taking this theology and working it out. He's taking this what Jesus did on the cross and what he does with the message of the kingdom and he's working it out into a church and I love Corinthians because it it makes me feel so good about our church because we're not as messed up as they were (laughs) if you read the New Testament epistles you realize that man some of our churches are awesome because those New Testament churches they were crazy they really were Uh, And Corinthians was an example of just craziness. But uh, God was blessing and using them. And here's what Paul says to them. To people that were insecure and and messing up. And they were getting drunk off off the communion wine. So Paul has to correct that and say, don't sleep with your mother-in-law. And um, all these things that were going on. And at the same time, this is what Paul says to that disappointing community. He says, uh, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. And may may this be for some of you a prophetic word that sits on your chest. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And entrusting the message of reconciliation to us, a messed up bunch of people, so that we are ambassadors of Christ. Everything that has is that's old has passed away. Old is gone, and we are a new creation. Past tense. In Romans, Paul talks about uh, our, our, all of our sin nature being crucified on the cross. And, and the thought is, well, that's dead, so kill the stuff in your life that's getting in the way for, of you being like Jesus. It's, it's been crucified, so continue to crucify the flesh. And in this particular case, he says, God's plan, His big purpose of, of restoring back to relationship all that was lost through sin... It has happened because of Christ. That you are now a new creation. Now, go tell people about that and then pass on the ministry to them. A bunch of kids are here. When Jesus was commissioning his disciples, he was commissioning, it, commissioning the, the, the hope of the world, the reconciliation of all things to a bunch of teenagers. John was probably 18, 19 years old when he got the commission. So he was probably 15 some say as young as fourteen when he was following Jesus as a disciple. He trusted the king the keys to the kingdom to a bunch of teenagers and said, Peace out. Paul says, We are now given the ministry of reconciliation. So what does that look like when we're struggling to be pure with our our, 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 our girlfriend or boyfriend? Or in our relationships with our spouse, we keep hitting the same walls over and over again. And husbands, we haven't laid down our our lives for our spouses. How do we become witnesses? How do we disciple the nations? How do we pass on this ministry of reconciliation when we're just struggling to figure it out? Or even worse, when what we've been fed in the church is that it's about singing songs on Sunday and tithing every month. Do you see the, just the tension that I'm just, I'm in? because I I see something else happening here I see the beauty of the garden being a community not a group of leaders but a community that's doing this a community that's that's living this out and it's growing not because we serve lattes and have comfortable chairs God knows these things are absolutely uncomfortable I've never heard one complaint about these white chairs by the way it's pretty amazing I've heard a lot of complaints about Kohiba smoke but that's okay we can complain about that. What do we do, and why are we here? Why are you here? Moving forward, I'm just I'm just. Hopefully, this is landing somewhere in your mind, because um, I don't know what you do with this, apart from maybe look at your uh, life and say, where can I continue to disciple? How can I? Uh, live more as a witness or, or, or simply ask Jesus to teach me through the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness wherever I am already. It's that simple. Um, but I want to remind us real quick of, of what our church is about. So, you want to know our, our our big picture plan, our, our 20 year vision. This is it. Isaiah 58. When we were, at one point in our story, we had to make a name for our church. <laughs> we had to name it. Um, and there were a lot of cheesy names and praise God we didn't go with those. And the garden is a great name because for us, it's, it's symbolic. It helps us remember where we've been and where we're headed. If you read Genesis 1 and 2, it all begins in the garden. You read Revelation 21 and 22, it, it ends in this city that has a bunch of trees and well-manicured gardens. It's kind of like a garden city, I suppose, you could say. Um, but in Isaiah when we started our mission as a church, uh, this text became pretty important to us because it has to do with worship. It has to do uh, with the people of God and what they thought worship was all about. And as I talk about singing songs, know that we give a lot of time for singing songs because that's absolutely important to the followers of Jesus. Because we're singing songs or we're worshiping God in, in other gods, whether we know it or not. We're constantly giving our worth or validating or ascribing worth to stuff, to our wallets, to ourselves, to magazine covers, to celebrities, or to, to dreams that we have. And on Sunday we come and sing truth because we need to be reminded of who God really is. And these songs and singing helps us do that as one church. Does that make sense? So let's talk about this. In, in the book of Isaiah, these guys have been in exile, but it's in reference to fasting or worship. And and they're talking about how they, they, they fast for, for God. They humble themselves and they, they, they beat themselves up over and over for God. And, and, he's, and he kind of just rebukes them and says, you've been missing the point. He talks about fasting where instead of fasting, why don't you um, loosen the bonds of injustice? Let the oppressed go free. Break breads with the hungry. Um, break bread with the hungry. Bring the homeless into your home. Um, clothe the naked. And then it gets to... Isaiah 58 verse 11 and it says if, if you do all of this stuff and this is what, I, what God, God will do he says this the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a, wa- a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters never fail your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt you shall raise up the foundations of many generations you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. That's our mission as a church. We're not going to define success by how many people come on a Sunday. We're not going to define it by how many community groups we have. We're going to define it by whether or not 30 years from now this city is a better place because of what we did with our hands. Be- this city is a safer place because we what we, we did in our prayer time because uh, a bunch of people decided not just to sing songs on Sunday but to go out on Monday and, and to make disciples of all nations to be witnesses in those crummy parts of Long Beach and to, to do things tangibly to set the oppressed free here in Long Beach as it is in heaven. That's our big picture. So, moving forward then in viewer of, of where we've come and view of this text, I just have to say that wherever we go, this has to be at the heart of our church. However big we think we're going to get, this has to be at the heart of our church. That, that we're not trying to accommodate a bigger space because we want to fill seats, but we want our mission to grow. We want our impact to grow. We want to disciple more people. We, there's half a million people in Long Beach alone and less than 10% go to Churches. We want to decrease the lostness of the city. We want to see the the 53% of single moms um, living in poverty decrease. We want to see our community come around the city in ways it's never done. And that's going to take us being open to whatever's next. Um, You with me? So, here's some thoughts. I want to transition. I just plant those seeds. Um, as, because as we move forward, these are the texts that will guide our church. These are the conversations that will define the ministries that we create. Because we do everything intentionally as much as we can. And we, we, one of the questions is, is, how biblical can we be as a church? Um, and so these are the things that we wrestle with as an elder board and as a staff and as an elder team and ministry leaders and more importantly we need to wrestle it as the body all of us together so three years ago we started a church Uh, it met in uh, First Christian Church we met in the basement it had um, it was hot it was smelly it was there was um, no real good sound system there was no the chairs were way more uncomfortable than these chairs Uh, we didn't have a budget we didn't have um, anything compelling as far as aesthetics like this place we, we literally just had each other and mission. That was it. We, we All we had were the people coming and the mission we saw in front of us. And we moved here because we were going to launch. We needed a bigger space. But we really moved here because we needed air conditioning. And, um, and during the summer, it will still get hot with both these ACs down at like 64. So it's, it's fascinating. But we came here not knowing that we are going to grow. Because I don't know if you know the statistics, and unfortunately I'm I'm haunted by some of these statistics as a planter, but 80% of all church plants never reach over 100 people. 80% of all churches planted. There are over 454,000 churches in the United States, a couple thousand mega churches, but for the most part the average attendance of the church in the United States is 75 people to a congregation. 80% will never reach 100 people. 60% 60% will never become self-sustaining and those that do come, become self-sustaining in their fifth year. Um, uh, the statistics for how many churches fail that plant is absolutely astronomical. I know six plants that have closed the doors in the last year and a half in Long Beach alone. I'm friends with a lot of these planters. Um, and so I bring these statistics to say, well, we're, we're doing really good. Um, we have well over 300 people attending on a Sunday, plus however many scattered throughout the city, um, we, we became self-sustaining in 10 months from our launch. And uh, we've done that through giving 10% away. But here's the statistic that scares me. It's the third year of a plant where the church fails, statistically. And it, the, in the third year, this is, the third year is where uh, something shifts in these churches that end up failing or regret where they've gone. In the third year, the church begins to focus internally on its needs and stabilizing and buildings and all that stuff because they might have had some mild success but they they move their focus off the missional horizon and they lose sight of why they're gathering so my challenge to us is to break the third year not just by getting by but by thriving in the city does that make sense? that as we go forward um, we we you know we need to be open to what God has, and so, so here's the conversation I want to have. You have all this stuff on your, um, on your seats. Why don't you pull them out? You can look at them. Um, this place, Cohiba Nightclub, has been an amazing home for the Garden Church. Here's some of the things I love about this place. Uh, it keeps the mission focused it keeps us focused on the mission it's a in many ways this is a hostile environment and those that get in get it what do I mean by that well you have to uh, deal with some of the limitations that this space has terrible seating um, uh, it actually rains inside when it rains outside there's no parking and if you at all have any type of extrovert personality you're paying a couple of dollars at the parking lot um, because you're hanging out too long. Um, there's smoke. I don't know if you've noticed the cariba scent um, from the cigars. Um, we, we share the space with go-go dancers and nightclub stuff um, on the weekends. Uh, you know, our green room is the downstairs basement, and our rehearsal space is the, the liquor cabinet in the back. Um, and the children are crammed into tiny little rooms. And I don't know if you have noticed, our children's group and rooms have been exploding with kids. Plus we have a bunch of pregnant people, so job well done. Um, but we're growing multiple ways. Families are coming, and this isn't a family-friendly environment. And the more we we, we really ask God what He's up to, it's clear that we're we want to impact families. We want to impact singles and, and, and um, young people and old people. But, but we, we have to create space for them. Um, we're packed on Sundays, um, especially when there's not 50 people, 50 women gone on a women's retreat. Um, but, but this place has been amazing. We've baptized 22 people here in the last year. Um, in this bar, we've, uh, we, we've seen people come to faith. We've, we've, we've been able to journey together in this place but it's time for us to prepare to move um, and that's frightening because this is an amazing place and, and moving is scary um, but that's going to come at a cost and so here's the conversation I want to have um, just simply uh, I don't, I don't want to have a building campaign I, I don't want to get our church rallied through teaching through um, online stuff through crazy funny videos and through us talking every single weekend about how we need money for a building. We do. We need money. We're going to need hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've, the garden has stewarded its income very well. Right now we have about 100000 in a building fund plus the savings. That's giving 10, on, on top of giving 10% away. So we have 100000 already set aside for where, whatever's next. I've been working for the last nine months hard to get us a space that we can afford, that makes sense, that's downtown. And there's been two great possibilities. One on 5th and Pine, the other is an old church on 5th and Pacific. And both possibilities are are just, they're not looking great, but they're possible. And uh, either way we look at it, we're going to need money. We're going to need to prepare and, and give generously to this cause. If we want to grow. If we want to be a place for families to gather. If we want to sacrifice for kids to grow, we're not worried about secondhand smoke, <laughs> um, which is a serious thing. And uh, so, so here's, here's kind of the thing. We, we, I've never talked about money here. Apart, but I'm always talking about money. I never talk about it as in, let's give. I always talk about it with our hearts. But this is a a tangible way. Or I talk about money with something that we're going to do as far as giving something else away, not for the garden. But this is something that's for our mission. So on here is just some information. It's just some thoughts to keep us focused on the mission, not the building. Um, Because we don't know if we're going to rent a a church or have to get our own building or go to a school. But either way we look at it, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us packing up and moving. It's going to cost us getting enough chairs. We don't have enough chairs for Sunday. So if we go to a bigger facility, we're going to need to get new chairs. We're going to need some more sound equipment. We're going to need to get children furnishing, stuff like that, stuff that you would need if we got to a bigger place. It's kind of like having a family, although I don't have kids yet, again. Um, and there's no, no kids on the way, so no surprise here. And, but, but my wife and I, we have thought, well, we want to have kids soon. So we've already started saving for kids. This is how my wife thinks. So she's brilliant. Um, she th- uh, let's, let's have the money before we spend it, which is, that's the principle we have. So, so for us, we've been saving for that. But I know families that not only do you save, but you have to baby-proof the room. Apparently, you know, sharp metal objects are not okay for babies to crawl around. Um, or you, you have to you know, get a bigger car because you actually need to fit, fit, uh, fit a car seat in the back of a car because they don't buckle up. And so there's things that as you prepare, you prepare your, your relationship with your spouse, you prepare your bedroom, you, you, you get clothes and diapers and you go to classes and all of this stuff to prepare for what's next. That's what it means to be family and this is that season for us. We're going to birth something new in the next season. And so for us to prepare, we need to, as a church, uh, just give generously. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask. I don't want to do a campaign. I want to ask you, as the garden, to, to give generously. Some of you, you give a lot already. It's amazing. But um, I've already brought this up to our leaders in a leadership meeting about three months ago. But I'm, I'm going to do the same for you. What we're asking our church is to consider giving uh, strategically Above and beyond what they're already giving for the next four months. That's, right now, it's just a four-month commitment. So if you, you give 100 a month, I'm asking you to try to give. Maybe it's 125 And that 25 would go specifically to the building fund. And, and on this card, there's a pledge, but we're not going to be calling you. We just want to know general ideas. And then on these new giving envelopes, there's... Um, there's a, a place where you can put money into the general donation or a time to build. That's what we're calling it. We just know that there's a season coming where we have to have the capital beforehand to make a move. And so that's what this is about. So here's it. Would you, for the next four months, starting now, give above and beyond what you normally give uh, to help create this capital fund that will enable us to move w- w- to wherever we're going? You with me? And so for us to get this, we, we need to go home, sit down, look at our budgets. Some of us need to cut out the, the clothing expenses or the, the coffee expenses. Uh, some of us need to really consider what sacrificial giving looks like. What does it mean to give above and beyond? Some people, I got one couple that said they're going to give $25,000 in the next four months. And it's going to be a sacrifice for them to do that. And I'm just sharing, that's, those are the conversations we're having openly. It's not about more or less. Some of you, you can't give awesome don't give we're not pressuring you to throw your savings away we're saying talk to the jesus talk to jesus ask the holy spirit to tell you what it is and would you give to that cool is that a, f- a fair enough request and I, and I, here's what i want to do to close um we're going to pray about this so i want to get in groups of four or five just make a mess of your chairs and I want to I want to strategically pray. We we've been trying so many different places to try to get in, and it's 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 sad that um, churches are more difficult to partner with in the city, old churches, than than nightclubs and business owners that don't know Jesus. But that's been my experience, to be honest. The city has been all about us getting our own space, the, and the city's really hard on churches at times. But they love us. They love they know they know the garden because they know what we represent. And so I want to pray, if you guys would, two things. Pray for where we're going as a church. So this is us as a church saying, God, would you guide us as we make these decisions? Pray for the, the the you know, the finances to come in. And lastly, I want to pray for your protection. You know, we pray as we make these decisions. It was funny because what happened to me was this. My wife and I, um, and she's not here, so I'll share this. We committed to an amount with our leaders. Uh, we asked our leaders to do this. and. We went, Alex and I separated and we, we wrote down a number on a piece of paper. And it was the same number on Wednesday. And we said, awesome, we commit to giving this. God, blessed are you, Lord. We are holy. And then very next day, we got all of her medical bills in one spell bill. And it was, oddly enough, the exact amount. So, for us, it's just a matter of, of recognizing that sometimes maybe there's some spiritual warfare. And we need to pray against that. So I'm going to ask you to pray for those things today. Is that cool? All right, break up. Meet the people around you. We'll spend about five, ten minutes. We're going to do communion in a little bit. I'll bring communion to you with some leaders. We'll take communion and close our time.
3: Our hearts are open. Our hearts are open. Thank you.